congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who gets to celebrate Mother's Day? And we would think, well, mothers do. But what about our sisters? What about the women who would love to have children and do not? Can they celebrate Mother's Day? We can all celebrate Mother's Day because we all have a mother. We all have a mother to honor and to love and to give thanks to God for, for her love and her nurture. So every one of us on Mother's Day can think about our mother. Every one of us can celebrate the day. What about if I didn't know my mother? Or what about if I didn't have a loving and nurturing mother? It's possible. But then often God provides an adoptive mother, either legally or adoption by affection, where there's a family that brings, takes us in and, and we, we adopt the mother of that family. They treat us like a son or a daughter. We have mothers by marriage, our mothers-in-law, who are mothers that are given to us as well to love and to honor. And so all of us, have at least one mother figure in our lives to, to honor and to love and for whom we can thank God for her love and for her nurture and for how he has used her in our lives. Well, today in Genesis chapter 23, we come to the death of a mother in Israel, the mother, in a sense, of the church. From her body was born the child of promise, and from her came the line of descendants, which eventually led to the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if you look at the chapter 23 in the scripture, and you scan through it, you notice something. It's a bleak chapter. There is no mention of the name of God in this chapter. There is simply the death of Sarah, and then the very practical and painful duties of Abraham mourning her death, arranging her burial site, and burying his wife. And as we look at the death and the burial of our mother Sarah, we can ask ourselves, what did her life amount to? She was taken from her home and her family and her land. She spent much of her life on the move, traveling, traveling, moving, sojourning. And that's hard on anyone. But it's especially hard on a woman, on a wife who has that gift of creating a home. She fled famines, she faced war, she experienced broken relationships as Lot and his wife and family left them. Twice, her husband left her at the mercy of foreign dictators who could have violated her honor. And she spent 90 years with no child. And then she was mocked, and her place as wife was usurped by her maidservant. 
Oh, Mother Sarah went through a lot of hard things, a lot of painful things in her life. Yes, there were moments of joy too. It was the birth of Isaac. There was the feast at his weaning, but there was also much pain. So many joys denied. Sarah never got to celebrate her son's wedding. She never got to hold a grandchild in her arms. She got old. Her body failed. And she died. What did her life accomplish? How many things on your bucket list could Sarah check off? We see our father in the faith, Abraham, placing the dead body of our mother Sarah into the ground. And if we look at her from the perspective of this world, it doesn't seem to amount to much. But if we look with the eyes of faith, if we look from the perspective of heaven, we see a life well lived. Our mother Sarah, she lived the life which God ordained for her. And with the eyes of faith, we see that life is far more consequential than it might at first appear. Sarah's main job was to give birth to the son of the promise in a way which showed clearly that it was a miraculous work of God's grace. And that's what she did. The apostle writes in Hebrews 11, by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. And now her job is done. And Abraham is careful to sow her body into the ground. The tomb of Machpelah is the burial place of the patriarchs. Eventually, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and their wives will all be buried there. All that they own of the land of promise is this little plot where they are buried. That's all they own. Just a place to be dead in. Now, why does Abraham show so much respect for the dead? Why does he take such elaborate care in burial? Because the Old Testament saints were believers. They didn't know as much as we do about the resurrection and about eternal life in Jesus Christ. But dimly they saw, and with eyes of faith they believed. Do you remember what Job said, for instance, in chapter 19, verses 25 and, and 26? Job lived around the same time as Abraham, most likely. And he says this, 19, 25, and 26. For I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been thus destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold, and not another. Another. 
And then in chapter 14, verse 12, Job speaks about the resurrection at the end of days. 14, verse 12, he speaks about a man lies down and rises not again till the heavens are no more. He will not awake or be roused out of his sleep. And so that's an oblique reference to the end of time and the resurrection of all from the dead. Daniel chapter 12 speaks about the same thing. As Daniel prophesies in verse 2 of that chapter, multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. So the Old Testament saints, even though they didn't have as much information as we do, they believed the gospel of the resurrection and the life and the judgment, the final judgment. That's why throughout history, Christians have been careful how we treat our dead. Because we plant them as much as we can. We plant them into the ground as a seed which will sprout forth a new life at the resurrection. Now, Sarah's life didn't really amount to much in human terms. And yet it amounted to everything. Because God wrote her story. And from Sarah, eventually the Lord Jesus Christ himself was born, and in him all the promises of God are yes and amen. And in Christ, Sarah received the promise of a land and a people. In Christ, she inherited the world and was made part of that glorious assembly which is the church Catholic. And so Sarah lived the life of faith And she died the death of faith. And when she wakes from sleep on the last day, her faith will become sight and she will spend an eternity delighting in a glory which cannot be compared to the suffering she endured. She didn't even get to see her son get married. She didn't get to hold her grandchild in her arms but she will see all her children in the new heavens and the new earth. What about your life? Is your life going according to your plan? Are you achieving the great success for which you seek? You know, a little later in the service, we're going to hear the baptism form read as our little sister Grace will be baptized. And in the baptism form, there's a prayer. And there's a line in that prayer that says this, that this life is no more than a constant death. And you think, why? When a cute little baby's being baptized, why would the church say something so negative? And the reason is, is because the church speaks the truth. And this life is a constant death. Yes, there are lots of joys and there are lots of celebrations, but there are also so many questions and so much pain. And every year as we get older, the brokenness of this life presses upon us as loved ones get dementia and as bodies break down and as we suffer chronic pain, and as there is all kinds of suffering in body and mind and soul and spirit, as children turn away from God, and as relationships are strained and broken, 
And as we face catastrophes or fear catastrophes in the economy and in society and in the world, and there are wars and rumors of war, and these things weigh down on us, and they make us worry for us, ourselves, for our children, for our grandchildren. And there are questions that press upon us. Why? Why has God given me this cross to carry? Why hasn't God given me a spouse? Why hasn't God given me a child? Why hasn't God cured my disease or healed my disability? God wrote the story of your life. And the way of the Christian is the way of the cross in a world of suffering and pain. There are two ways to deal with the suffering. Either every time God ordains suffering and affliction, we die in faith, or faith dies in us. And the Christian does the first of those two. The Christian knows how to suffer well. The Christian knows how to die well. And we accept that even though we sometimes and often have a lot of questions, Lord, I, I can't figure out why in the world You've brought these things into my life. You've directed my life in this way. It's not the way that I would have chosen. But I accept, O oh God, that my life and my death have eternal purpose and significance in your plan. Brother and sister, look at your mother, Sarah. Imitate her faith. Embrace the life God has ordained for you with all its joys and all its pains. Look at your life from the perspective of eternity and you can live the way of the cross and you can die the death of faith. That is what this table guarantees you. That the way to life is through death. That the way to glory is through suffering. That after the night of weeping, joy comes in the morning. That in the morning, he will satisfy us with his unfailing love. Amen.